Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hello and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. Canada is not known for being a nation where war is a big part of our history. Canada has had its part in various wars, including the first and second, but wars on our own soil have been incredibly rare. There was the War of 1812, the Red River and 1885 rebellions, and of course, the Pemmican War. Of all the wars we learn about in school, the Pemmican War is typically not one of them. So what was it? In this episode of Penny Size History, I am taking a look at the war fought between two fur trading companies that would result in several deaths and the demise of an entire company. It all began thanks to Thomas Douglas, the 5th Earl of Selkirk, who was attempting to get his fellow Scotsmen and women to settle in North America. He would found two colonies. One was located on Prince Edward Island, and the other was in Ontario. He was hoping to found a third, and looking to land owned by the Hudson's Bay Company. In order to buy this land, Selkirk began to buy shares in the HBC in 1808, so he could purchase the land he wanted. The plan worked, and in 1811 Selkirk purchased 116,000 square miles of land in the Red River area. The next part of the equation that would lead to war was the establishment of the Northwest Company, which competed directly with the Hudson's Bay Company. I did a history of the Northwest Company a few weeks ago, and you can learn a lot about it there. This is where the pemmican comes in. Unlike the Hudson's Bay Company, which imported its provisions from England thanks to the Royal Charter, the Northwest Company relied on it locally. Pemmican was a dried buffalo meat pounded into a powder and melted with buffalo fat in leather bags. It was vital to the fur trade and to the Northwest Company. The NWC had to trade for its pemmican from outposts in the Red River District and then transport it to their depot at Lake Winnipeg where it was distributed throughout the area to forts and traders. The majority of the pemmican was purchased from local Métis. Needless to say, the Red River Pemmican was vital to the Northwest Company, and without it, the company could not feed its employees. William McGillivray, chief partner in the Northwest Company, said in court that the company could not function without it. And this brings us to the Pemmican Proclamation. In the new colony created by Selkirk, provisions were scarce, and it was decided that provisions like Pemmican could not leave the district. As a result, Governor MacDonald issued the Pemmican Proclamation on January 8, 1814. This move was protested by both the HBC and the NWC. Since Lord Selkirk was the majority shareholder in the HBC, he was able to deal with the company's complaints through official channels. The Northwest Company decided to ignore the proclamation, and Governor MacDonald was obliged to enforce it as a result. MacDonald responded through blockades which only raised tensions and resistance from the Northwest Company. Métis leader and clerk with the Northwest Company, Cuthbert Grant, established a Métis camp only a few kilometers from the HBC headquarters of Point Douglas. He established the camp there to cover the departure of 42 colonists traveling for Canada in NWC canoes. Eventually Grant and his men would begin to harass Selkirk settlers, to the area, and occasionally gunfire would ring out between the two sides. In one encounter at Fort Douglas on June 10, 1815, one of Governor MacDonald's men was killed when the cannon exploded. In June of 1815, MacDonald would actually surrender to the Northwest Company representatives, who sent him to Montreal to be tried for illegally confiscating pemmican. Not surprisingly, he never faced the charges in court. 
In March of 1816, the HPC seized and destroyed Fort Gibraltar at the Forks. The fort had been built in 1810, and the goal of the destruction was to prevent the NWC from shipping pemmican from the Forks to brigades coming from Fort William. Tensions continued to rise and would erupt with the Battle of the Seven Oaks on June 19, 1816. This battle would be the culmination of the Pemmican War and the anger between the Northwest Company and the Hudson's Bay Company. In this battle, a party of 60 Métis and First Nations men under Cuthbert Grant was heading west to the forks to deliver pemmican to the NWC canoes on Lake Winnipeg. At Seven Oaks, HBC Governor Robert Semple and 28 of his men, mostly HBC officers and employees, stopped them. Gunfire and hand-to-hand -hand combat soon erupted, and 20 HBC party members were dead, as well as Semple himself. On the NWC side of things, only 16-year-old Joseph Latendre was killed. Grant was able to seize Fort Douglas. The Selkirk settlers and the HBC staff would leave for Norway House. The British government quickly called a special inquiry and a commissioner found that the first shot was fired at Francois Boucher from Semple's side. The second shot was at an indigenous man in Grant's party. At that point, both sides fired at each other at will. In all, the battle lasted only 15 minutes. It was concluded that before the battle, neither party was looking for a fight. Grant was charged for his part in the battle, but all charges were dismissed. And the commissioner stated in his report that the Pemmican policy was a dangerous policy. On August 12, 1816, Selkirk and 90 soldiers arrived and captured Northwest Company headquarters at Fort William. The men there were arrested on charges of murder and tried in York in 1818 where they were acquitted. The damage was done for the Northwest Company and its operations were severely impaired by the actions of Selkirk. Five years after the Battle of the Seven Oaks, the company would merge with the Hudson's Bay Company. Today, the Battle of the Seven Oaks and the Pemmican War is remembered as one of the first times the Métis people asserted themselves as a new nation with the rights to trade as they wish. The merging of the two fur trading companies after the war would also result in the closing of half of all the fur trade posts, which would have a devastating impact on the Métis and indigenous people, many of whom were employed by the companies. Information for this piece comes from Wikipedia and the Canadian Encyclopedia. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Canadian History X, and if you did, please leave a like or a review. You can find hundreds of history articles on my website at CanadaX, that's ehx.blogspot.ca, and you can email me if you have questions or ideas or anything at crwbaird at gmail.com, and please consider supporting the podcast at patreon.com slash that's b-a-i-r-d-o.